somehow able to bend light. He hunts by seeing our heat. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Now Playing presents the Predator Retrospective Series. I've waited a lifetime for this, and I'm not going to miss the chance. Leading up to the release of Predators July 9th, Stewart, Arnie, and Brock will be watching and reviewing all of the Predator and Alien vs. Predator films. What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. These podcasts will be spoiler-filled and may contain objectionable language. Listener discretion is advised. Come on. Do it. Do it! Today we're talking about Alien vs. Predator, starring Sana Lathan, Lance Hendrickson, Raul Bova, Ewan Bremer, Colin Salmon, and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. This is Brock, co-host of Now Playing. This is Stuart in L.A. This is Arnie, and this is our second crossover. And I am probably a big geek. I love crossovers. But I actually wanted to go meta for a second with you guys. Why do I love crossovers? What's the big deal? King Kong and Godzilla, Frankenstein and Dracula, Alien and Predator. Why do I get off on this so much? You're asking us to psychoanalyze you in an hour podcast? I think this is its own series. I could give you about a year, Arnie. (laughs) Well, me as Avatar for geek culture, who also gets off on this. Look at Avengers coming out next year. Well, this is a battle that could only take place in a child's mind. It's the idea of being able to cherry pick all the things that you love and make it one thing before you have a known idea about who owns property rights and copyrights and realize the feasibility of these things. It's a child's mentality. It is an eight-year-old of my He-Man figures or with playing with my Smurf figures or playing with my G.I. Joes. But this isn't a novel concept. I mean, this goes back a long time. I mean, we've got, of course, the Universal monster movies, but I'll admit, I actually did a little bit of digging into this. What about the Argonauts from 3th century BC? You know, it goes back. Sure, Abbott and Costello also met Frankenstein. What a crossover that was. Um, Yeah, usually it's comedy. I think of it working better as comedy than as a serious I I think crossovers are always something that has happened and had that kind of pulp feel to it from what I've read and understand from my reading of past of histories. Also, crossovers are very, very common in comic books. I remember reading Superman versus Muhammad Ali uh, in this gigantic, gigantic comic book that we had. It was oversized. It was fun. I believe Muhammad Ali beat him up. (laughs) Nice. Uh, I mean, I understand from a business standpoint, synergy and all of this. That's why Marvel has Wolverine in every freaking book, because he sells books. But I want to know not why they do it, but why we like it, because I so like it. And the reason I attach this, it's funny you bring up comic books, Brock. Being (laughs) the fan of this Predator Alien series, I have spent the past two weeks in Alien and Predator crossover comic land. Would you like to hear some of the people the Alien and Predator have fought? Yes. Agreed. Hatch that egg, Arnie. What did, what, did, what did they do? There was Predator versus Superman to go back to Superman. Oh. 
And Alien versus Superman. I remember that one. Yes. Predator versus Batman, which happened over the course of three different series. That makes a lot of sense to me, actually. It does, actually. Yeah, they both are costumes. I actually hunters. have. Yeah, yeah, because of this movie, I thought Batman a lot. But we'll talk about that later. I got to say, out of all the freaking comics I read, Batman versus Predator was the best. Yeah. It, was a yeah. good, it was a good match, I got to say. Yeah. Judge Dredd fought both. <laughs> I am the law. Yes, he said that. <laughs> there was actually a mega crossover. Superman and Batman versus aliens and predators. Oh, man. Okay. Now, now we're starting to get into the really dregs. Tarzan versus Predator. Okay, because they're both in the jungle. I mean, is this where it's coming to? Munchie cheese versus Predator. Anything in a tree (laughs) we're going to now put with the Predator. Okay. Curious George versus Predator. Witchblade, Aliens, Predator, and Mindhunter all got together for a romp. Uh, I don't even Uh, know who Mindhunter is. I don't either. I don't either. But the one that shits on now playing the most... Alien versus Predator versus Terminator. Mm. Mm. If you'd like a summary of that, it is a direct sequel to Alien Resurrection, where Skynet had been defeated a few hundred years earlier. Terminators still roam the galaxy, waiting for a chance to kill all humanity. They find that they can merge with aliens through a not clearly defined method to become terminalians oh so they're metal underneath the alien suit they look human oh but they have like alien hide and super strength and a terminator would touch an alien and absorb it into himself thus becoming a hybrid Uh i I don't and it's ripley and whoa no this is where i really don't like it when the crossovers try to bring in the characters no 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 Ripley would have nothing to do with that. Yes, it's Ripley and Call fighting with the Predators against the Terminalians. I told you that shit upon all of our loves. And uh, let me let me just back up here. You like this. You like that they do this because I'm actually going to take the opposite tack. Whenever you do this, you have instantly cheapened your source material. It might be sugary sweet. It might be fun to drink, but it is highly unhealthy and over caffeinated. Well, why did they do all this is because it sells. Now, did I like Alien vs. Predator vs. Terminator? Not at all. In fact, I only kept reading after I realized the premise just because I was really curious to see how they carried the Ripley character forward. Mm. But it was terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Tarzan versus Predator. I had one gem out of this, one enjoyable read, and that was Batman versus Predator 1 and 2. But... The thing is, these characters have been crossed over so much, and I think it's because they're such blank slates that you can drop them into any universe, can't you? It's so much easier to put a predator in Gotham City than it is to figure out how to get Jason into Freddy's dream world. Well, Uh, I agree with that, but I think the predator, more than alien, it's easier to drop in and out of things. And uh, as we watch this movie, and we'll talk about it next time as well for the Alien vs. Predator 2 – the alien part of it is, and this is going to sound stupid, but it it's less believable to me than the predator part of it. And, <laughs> and I know I know it sounds crazy to say that, but it's true. And and the predator is much more, I think, able to adapt 
to these kinds of movies, these kinds of crossovers. So I, well, I agree with that. Let me, let me take what you're saying, Brock, because I think I hear you, and I think it comes down to this. The Predator is the one with the personality. He's kind of like Freddy. He is aware of what's going on. He responds. He doesn't quite talk, but he'll mimic and talk back, and he interacts with people and is in charge of his own destiny. The alien is almost all instinct. It's an insect. It's responsive. It only knows how to survive and multiply. And except for the queen, it's not making life choices. It's not saying I'm going to retire in Florida and go here. And it's none of that. It goes where destiny has it. it but wherever it can go, it can survive. You have the ultimate hunter fighting the ultimate survivor. That is the thrill and the selling point of an alien versus predator team up. And that was the first comic book crossover. Alien vs. Predator first occurred in a Dark Horse Presents one-shot in 89, became its own series in 90. They've crossed over many, many times since. I've read that first one. I did actually buy the first edition. God knows I already sold it back. It might actually be worth something. <laughs> and it's not totally dissimilar to the movie that we watched. I feel like they took trace elements of that that worked in the comic book and put it into this story. Quite a few. Dark Horse actually gets some kind of credit at the end here because they did crib that story. Their story, that comic book story, sold to the studios. And then it just underwent revision after revision after revision until we get today's movie, Alien vs. Predator. So why don't we do a plot summary? Because there's a lot that goes on in this one. It's October 10th, 2004, and the Wayland Corporation, run by Charles Bishop Wayland, played by Lance Hendrickson, detects heat signatures from a giant pyramid beneath the ice. Wayland is sick and wants to make his mark on history, so he spares no expense getting the best drilling and expedition team together to investigate, including their expedition guide Alexa Woods and archaeologist Sebastian something or other. But when they arrive at the site, the hole has already been drilled by a laser from space. Dun dun dun! Unbeknownst to Wayland and his party, they came upon a predator coming-of-age ritual. Every 100 years, the Predators come to this temple where they have a queen alien frozen. They thaw out the queen, the queen gives birth to eggs, and humans sacrifice themselves to be hosts to give birth to the aliens that the Predators can hunt. This has been going on since the dawn of time. In fact, it was the Predators who taught our... <laughs> I can't say this with a straight face. <laughs> I'm glad you broke character because I'm sitting here swallowing my tongue. I thought I was going to have to put my wallet in my mouth. This is giving me seizures. Just like Kane. Yeah, just like Kane. So the Predators taught our early cultures how to build pyramids. And so the pyramid actually is completely architecturally confusing as one side is Aztec, one side is Egyptian, and one side is Cambodian. That's the side you want to snort. <laughs> and they all live in Antarctica. Yes, they live in Antarctica. <laughs> so Wayland's group is caught between the Predators and the aliens, and in fact give the aliens the advantage when they take the Predators' weapons and begin a process where the temple reconfigures itself every ten minutes, like the Temple of Doom with an egg timer. Most of the humans are killed, and eventually Alexa decides, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And she and the lone surviving predator team up to kill the aliens. The predator uses his arm nuke to destroy the site, and the predator gives Alexa her props by giving her the mark of the hunter. But the queen alien attacks, they succeed in killing the queen by pushing her into frozen water, but she spears the predator in the process. 
Then other predators arrive to retrieve their dead comrade and take him aboard their ship. And in the final shot of the movie, an alien bursts from the chest of the predator warrior, revealing, aw, a baby pred-alien. Isn't he sweet? Yeah. That speaks for itself, I think. Like, if you can handle that plot summary, you can probably handle this movie. I, as a longtime alien worshiper who treasure my original memories of alien Ridley Scott's movie and James Cameron's movie the way that many people treasure their memories of Star Wars and Back to the Future, cannot abide. Cannot abide by what was just said. I want to give a little bit of personal history with this. I saw this movie opening day. I was so excited because Freddy vs. Jason was one year before. That was a big success. I thought Alien vs. Predator would be just as good. Go opening day with my wife. I think she punched me for making her sit through it. <laughs> the next day, Stuart, you were in town. Yes. And we go and see a Bourne film. And I'm yes. telling you about this atrocity that is Alien vs. Predator. And after Bourne, you're like, I just got to stick my head in the theater and see five minutes of this. I just want to see what you're talking about because you've been talking about it nonstop. So we sneak into the theater, supposedly for five minutes. It happens to just be starting. You take a seat and make me watch it again. Yeah, my memory is not that it was for five minutes. My memory was I was going to watch this movie for free. I was never going to pay for it. But sorry, Carasota's Theaters. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did break the law and sneak into that movie after watching Born Supremacy. And you know what? You're never getting that money. Never. <laughs> hey, they, they just sold all the theaters, so I think you're safe. But I remember my wife said, you sat through that movie again. And I go, but I didn't pay for it. And she said, I've seen that movie. You paid for it. Oh, and I asked my wife if she wanted to watch this with me, and she says, I've seen it. And that's where the conversation ended. <laughs> she didn't want any part of it. And, you know, Stuart, I think you said something which is very astute, and I think why I may have a bit of a leg up on both of you watching this movie. I have seen the Alien movies, enjoy them greatly. The Alien being in this movie, Stuart, is not the same movie as Alien or Aliens. It's a different kind of setup, different kind of movie, a whole different can of worms. It's just the alien taken from there and put into a whole different kind of situation thing. So I don't have the same connection. If, I, if a Jedi was put in here versus a Predator, we might have a different viewpoint on this entirely. You're absolutely right. Same going with the Predator. So I don't have that same kind of connections you guys have. But remember, Stuart, that we did Freddy vs. Jason, and you liked that movie. And you don't have that same kind of connection you do to Freddy or Jason, although you did enjoy Freddy as a young person. So my question to you is, is your love of Alien severely hurting your love of this movie objectively? Or is it, are you completely to the point where you said you can't abide by it? Is it so tainting the experience of this movie for you because of your love for that? Can't you separate it just for a second and say, okay, it's not the alien movies I like so much here. It's just this alien character being put in a situation that allows the character to do something different. Correct. There's no way that this movie could be good. The question is, can it be fun? That is the question I have going into it, even a second time, was that, okay, was my initial reaction an overreaction to a bastardization of a childhood favorite? Possibly. Okay. But 
what I was really rejecting there was the scenario in which they put them through. I am not not versed with Aliens versus Predator. Like I said, I bought the Dark Horse comic, the one issue. I remember how that story went. The plot sounded like it would be very, very similar. The whole idea that the Predator would use alien eggs as a ritual for manhood or, or whatever you want to call it, for establishing hunters, was exactly the plot of the Dark Horse comic, but what they changed was the fact was that was set in a future world. There is an Asian Sigourney Weaver. There is a female character who is exactly like Ripley, but not Ripley. And she does get the marks. She does prove herself to the Predators when she teams up with them and helps put them down after most of her crew is killed. Yep. The similarities between the comic and this are astounding, but it's amazing how... Little things like not making the Predators the heart of all human civilization make the comic better. That is what I really reject. The idea that you could take the whole mythos, that alien conspiracy, that uh, UFOs coming down and telling us how to build our pyramids. I mean, that's not a theory they made up. That's, no, it's Chariot of the Gods, Chariot of, what's it called again? Correct. Something like that. Yeah. Correct. No one is ever saying that it originated in Antarctica. I mean, you're just asking <laughs> me to swallow larger and larger piles of dung. And it's like, I'll swallow a little because I understand this is junk. But at what point do I gag? At what point do I say, I'm not going to give you this anymore? And for me, where did I turn off? It would be hard for me to exactly say, but I think that it would have been early in the film. I can tell you where I turned off. And it was the flashback to early civilization of man. That definitely was, <laughs> yes, that definitely was, it was all over by that point. I think it might have even happened a little earlier where I was really like, okay, but you're right. What you guys are talking about is when they reveal the Aztec, the human civilization reveal. You know, I could even go with the dawn of human civilization if they didn't mix and match their architecture styles to one side and one <laughs> side. That's like a three-year-old's diorama. First of all, yeah. the Sebastian character, the character that they've written here, the he's Italian. He is here to read the hieroglyph. He's got a rosary of a Pepsi cap on. He's always kissing like Mamma Mia, the Pepsi. We got. It's, he's a ridiculous Italian stereotype. And the Pepsi lid was in the beginning of the movie because he got uh, hornswoggled at the beginning of the movie for whatever reason. Um, no, it's in there because there is a hoary relationship between PepsiCo and aliens and. If you don't believe me, I want you to go to YouTube and type in Alien 3 Pepsi commercial and watch how they try to sell you a cola with an alien. And your mouth will – you will have a second set of jaws and they will <laughs> drop to the floor at how bad it is. There's something about – I don't know why, but Pepsi wants to sell you their product through Alien. And this is actually manages to be slightly less offensive than the Alien 3 tie-in. What's funny is if you leave Pepsi in a cup paper cup it eats through it just like alien blood <laughs> nice <laughs> i had real problems with the fact that this guy could read it like like you would just pick up a book and skim like he was like no this they were a culture that said sacrifice was i mean like he's like literally walking around like he's got the script in hand and yeah. like he's like i'm going to tell you all of the backstory <laughs> by looking at this scribble on the ground in the dark underneath the ice in antarctica with no lights I mean, it's 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 offensive. It's so stupid. Well, I can go with dumb fun. This movie will take you and grind your face into the dirt and say, eat it, eat it, eat it. 
what gets worse is that they have all this going on and they keep it going for like an hour and they finally explain it to you. And yes, either you go along with it or you don't. The guy actually says in the story, oh, this is all making sense now. And I actually said out loud, well, I'm glad you understand what the hell is going on because I don't. <laughs> and I, up to that point, though, I got to tell you, I was like, uh, this is kind of interesting. I, I don't really know, understand what's going on here. This doesn't make a lot of sense. I was trying to figure it out myself. When everything comes to a fruition you know, and, and they give you the explanation, yeah, it's tied up in a little, nice little bow, but – Either you go with it or you don't, and you both are telling me you're not going with it. I'm not saying I went with it 100%, but uh, it's not a horrible – yes, it could have been is. much worse. It could have no, been much worse. No, no, it's It's actually horrible. <laughs> it is scientifically <laughs> provable that this is really horrible. <laughs> and I can I just ask, why Antarctica? Why couldn't it just be in Mexico or South America where the predators have already been established that they go there for their hunt – and why can't they have a ruin that's a temple and that this is going on inside? And you can do your whole little alien, the predators did this to this culture thing there. But why do you have to have the dawn of mankind negating evolution and putting it in Antarctica? Why do you have to be that stupid? <laughs> I think is because I questioned early in the movie, why aren't there any satellites picking up aliens flying down from space anywhere and my only thing i could come up with and this is me giving the movie a huge gimme is well because it's over antarctica and no one's watching antarctica no one lives there. there's no satellites over Antarctica. now for all i know there could be but it, what do i know about where satellites are over the earth so that's why i think it's over antarctica just why that's why santa claus is at the north pole i have my own explanation for antarctica and that is Honestly, the filmmakers tried very hard to not contradict any previous alien lore. And so one of the big things is that humans can't know about aliens. Ripley discovers them, or at least to everybody's mass knowledge. Well, if you put it under a huge thing of ice in Antarctica, it makes sense that we might not have found it. Whereas in 300 years, I'm sure we would have come across every temple in every jungle that we have deforested. Okay. That works, too. That makes a lot of sense. I did think about that before. It's like, well, wait a minute. Aliens and, and humans didn't know anything, and now aliens are on Earth the entire time. They just could have found them there. You're right. Now, never mind the fact that – and uh, well, I want to point out the very end where the queen alien, they beat her by – she falls into cold water. But yet we've proven she can thaw because they froze her for 100 years at a time. Yeah, well, I think that was intentional. I don't think that she died. You keep saying they killed her. I don't think she's dead. I think they were thinking they could drag her out of the ocean for part two and have her in a block of ice and put her wherever they wanted to. <sighs> Watching the movie, and, they, and I was confused about because the shots weren't exactly clear that the alien is chained up and she's frozen and then she gets unfrozen and then she's chained up and then she's a big old thing. And then uh, conveniently the eggs are put in that ritual chamber in exactly the right place where they're supposed to be put, which I blew my mind while I was watching it. And the whole thing about her being frozen pregnant and then she's ready to reproduce right away and the whole thing was like head-scratching to me because I couldn't really understand what was going on. Why was she frozen? It, the whole thing wasn't explained until an hour later in the movie and so I really was not getting it. But what? at the same time, I was like, I'm sure it'll work out. You guys didn't go with it at all? You When you were scratching your head, you were like, ah, screw it? Can I ask one question? Can I ask one question? What version of the movie did we all watch? I watched both. I watched the theatrical version of this one. Okay, and Stuart? 
I don't know. I watched whatever was on the DVD. Did you have the opening in 1904? Yes, I had the uh, extended version. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, you yes. had the extended version. In my version, this was all really clear. There was no question about the chains. There were very clear shots of the chains. There was no question about it. And yes, it started off with a scene of predators killing Eskimos. <laughs> my my version started with the woman climbing the mountain. No. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you you probably had a reduction in running time, if nothing. And then else. they go to Mexico. The differences are slight, but actually, Brock, you also were at a disadvantage because they cut a couple minutes of explanation out of the theatrical version as well as a lot of gore. Nice. I don't think that the extended scene gives you anything at all, actually. I don't know about the minutes of explanation that Brock might have missed, but that opening scene is completely worthless, and I don't see why you would have kept it into the movie other than to just pad the length. It is completely worthless, and especially since their expedition leader happens to be an expert on that specific whale colony, that she comes, yes, this colony was mysteriously abandoned in 1904. I come here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> when I want to get away from it all, I go to the abandoned whaling colony of 1904. It's Club Med 1904 whaling colony. They, so they got the team together. They assemble all these team members. So this is like much like a Michael Crichton novel. They have all these experts in different areas come together to form a team to get a common goal done. So that's the setup of this movie. I'm like, okay, I can go with that. Okay, I've seen those kind of Except they're not experts. They're idiots. I mean, you got a woman <laughs> doing ice climbing while talking on her cell phone. Oh, my God. Just really. This is... Sinead Latham, I don't know. I know she has some fans for Love and Basketball. I know that movie. She was in Blade. I, I never saw Blade. But uh, I, I can tell you this. I've never seen her before or since, and I don't want to. She is no Sigourney Weaver. The fact that she is supposed to be an expert. She's walking around in like a windbreaker with nothing on her face. You're in Antarctica. You are in Antarctica, and you're not even going to put on a scarf? And, and did you notice that no one's breath can even be seen? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I did notice at the end of the movie when she's in the Predator or fighting the lady alien and she's left all by herself, that not one shiver. She's yeah. not even wearing a coat. No, she's wearing she, like a no she threw her jacket off, her windbreaker off. She unzips it, and they're like, that's it. And like the oh. – <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're you're really trained for the wilds of, of the outdoors. You really know what you're talking about. I was thinking to myself, hey, Predators, give me a ride. And she didn't. I was hoping she'd say, how about a lift I, or something kind of. Yeah, no, like that. I'm glad they left her to die. <laughs> <laughs> she had to get to the chopper. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't like anybody on this team with the exception of maybe Lance Hendrickson. And Lance is obviously cashing in on the love that we have for him for playing Bishop. And he's just a total genre actor anyway. He'll do anything to add more pictures to his signing booth at Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. But, you know, honestly, for this kind of movie, which we've seen these kind of setups before, you meet the characters and they all get killed off one by one. We've seen these kind of like a horror movie. And, you know, I thought the acting here, and I'm going to get killed for this, I just know it. I, I thought the acting here was surprisingly okay. I didn't really hate anybody's acting. Now, it's the writing of the characters, these two-dimensional characters here, and they're here just to get picked off, give us a couple of traits for each one so we know who each person is so when they get killed later on, we know who they are. But I thought the actors all came to play. I didn't think there was any bad line readings. I have to agree with Stuart that I hated all of the characters, and I hated none more than the spiky-haired blonde who I just was cheering when she got chest-bursted. Rousseau. Yeah. 
I had to write it down because you, you don't know anything other than the fact she likes hair gel and has a gun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but honestly, I'll agree with Brock also. I don't think any of this was the actor's fault. They're just, there's too many characters. They take an entire drilling team because they need it for the plot and they don't drill anything and they just get killed pretty quickly. But the problem is a lot of people get killed very quickly. And so there's too many during the scenes where you should be getting to know them. And then by the time it's down to a few, it's like, well, crap, the only guy I really like is the Scottish guy, and he's a candidate for a chest burster. The Scottish guy is the only guy with personality. I wouldn't go as far as to say as you like him, but it, you at least try to identify with him. I have a problem, a real problem with the two leads. I really did not like Sinead Latham in this role at all. I, her fake toughness just grated on me. She like You can tell that that woman does not even do a day hike. There's, it's, there's nothing about the way she carries her herself or, or the way she uses the equipment, anything that is believable as her as being a rugged outdoorsman in Antarctica. That is just phony baloney. And and Sebastian, Raul Bova, whose only claim to fame, I think, was he was a, a Levi's jeans model. His whole, like, I'm an Italian! Ah! Just terrible. <laughs> I, I really hated them. I hated them. I didn't mind them, but there was nothing to make me like them. I agree with you that, yeah, Alexa does not come off as tough at all. And, yeah, there's that's a problem. She's miscast. And I heard on the commentary that they went for actress after actress trying to find one who could follow up Ripley. And this was the best they could do. They tried. This was the best. So That, that would work for the money they were paying them. <laughs> well, yes. I did not have a problem like as big as you two did on on these two leads, I did not have that problem at all. I completely but see where you're about, coming from. Think about Predator and think about Alien. Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger and Sigourney Weaver have presence to spare. I don't think Arnold is a great actor, but I would never say with his physicality and the, his line delivery and all that that he doesn't have a charm and an obvious connection with his audience. And Sigourney Weaver just rocks as Ripley. Yes. Uh, the, Th- those are some real iconic characters. These people are a bunch of fools they got on cheap. I gotta say, they don't even match up to either Danny Glover or Winona Ryder. Correct! Correct. Well said, Arnie. Stuart, the point is of this movie, though, the stars of this movie are not the human characters. What you're talking about is dead on for the Alien franchise, for the first Predator movie. Those movies had these other characters that are the leads of this movie in them as the villain characters, as the, as the characters that they're being killing the humans, okay? Here, we're here to see Predator and Alien, much like when Freddy Krueger became the lead of the Nightmare on Elm Street series when everyone wanted to come see Freddy, and it switched from the human characters to the complaint you made about the series – if I remember correctly, when it became all about the Freddy show, okay? So what we're doing here is we're not looking for, and according to Arnie, they were, but I didn't get that impression. What I got the impression is they wouldn't want – that Ripley here is Ripley light, Ripley watered down severely. The beer is watered down here, okay? Because we don't want Sigourney Weaver here. What we want is to showcase the Predator and Alien. If that's true, I think that's a horrible miscalculation, particularly when you consider who, quote-unquote, wins the battle. 
this movie's called Alien versus Predator. It's not called the humans versus the alien versus the predator. So we're here to see aliens fight the predator, and the humans are here from what I saw this movie in. The humans are really here, or a lot of them anyway, so they can be the hosts for the aliens so the aliens can come alive and the predators can fight them. You don't think that their character is meant to establish you to root for them? You don't think that you are supposed to be wanting Alexa to pull out of this and survive the attack? The script may want me to feel that by the end of the movie, but I didn't care for that character. I'm not watching this movie for her. I don't have the connection that the screenplay may think it gives me to that character. Brock, I think you're completely wrong if you think the movie makers don't care about the human characters. I listened to the commentary. They didn't bring Lance Hendrickson back on a lark, and they even talked about bringing back Sigourney Weaver till she said that this cheap is the whole franchise and is the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Sigourney. You I go. love you. There you go. They really did try. The problem is they had, honestly, I think Stuart nailed it. They got the best they could for what they had in budget. This movie was made for less money than they spent on Alien 3 in the 90s. And I'm talking dollar to dollar, not adjusted for inflation. This movie was made on the cheap in Prague, and this was the best they could do, and it fails on the human character level. There is not a single human in this movie that I enjoyed seeing on the screen or rooted for, especially not Alexa. Mm -mm. I did not mind the human characters. I completely agree with both of you that these characters are throwaway bullshit characters, but I thought the actors did much better than other actors we've seen with these kind of roles and other horror movies we've seen or the movies we've seen in general. I watched this movie and I saw what I saw and and I cannot believe that they really wanted the human characters to be stronger and a, Brock, and they win. I know what you're saying. Obviously when you're watching a movie called Alien versus Predator, the main event is watching an alien go at a predator. That's what you want to see. You want to see the second jaws going into the predator helmet. You want to see the predator throw his crow and chop up an alien head like sushi. I get that. But this is supposed to be a battle, and the winners are the human characters. It is neither the predator nor the alien. Much like Freddy versus Jason, we had the whole debate about who won that fight. And it kind of looks like a draw, then it kind of looks like a win, depending on your point of view and all that kind of thing. Do they really want to declare a winner here for that reason? I think they did, but the Predator dies anyway, you know? So, like, it, it seems to me that the aliens were the villains and the Predators were the, the hero, I guess, but they still kill humans. Yes, that is very true. And that's one of the tropes they keep going back to in this is the Predator is usually the hero because the alien is chaos. You can't ally yourself with the alien ever. Right. So that's how they did it in the original Alien vs. Predator comic miniseries. It's how they do it here. But the problem is, here's the dissonance. Stuart and I are both coming at this as fans of the Alien franchise, fans of the Predator franchise, that have had tremendous casting by and large. Mm -hmm. And you are coming at this like, well, for Friday the 13th Part 6, I think they're quite good. Right. That's the difference. <laughs> you keep saying, for a horror film where they're just there to die, that is not what Sigourney Weaver and Tom Skerritt and even Lance Hendrickson, Danny Glover, these people, even Bill Paxton had something to grab hold on in both Aliens and Predator 2. I like the teenagers in Freddy vs. Jason more than I liked these people. Yes. But 
but remember I said in the beginning of this podcast or, or early on in this very podcast that Stuart and you – or maybe I said Stuart. I didn't include you in that. I know, I know what you're going with this, but the difference is you, just because we're fans of it, that doesn't mean I'm, – I'm not standing here saying they pissed on my childhood. You know What I'm saying is it doesn't live up to the franchise, the bar they've set. Imagine if they made Back to the Future 4 and it was the guy from Twilight. <laughs> you know, this is okay. the kind of thing I'm thinking. Okay. And Christopher Lloyd, the guy from Twilight and Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Ooh, Lloyd. dig! <laughs> Alien movies and the Predator movies, they had the characters of Alien, the character of Predator in this movie, but I don't think this movie belongs in the Alien franchise. I understand it's the Alien from Aliens, but I don't think it belongs there. I think those movies, the Alien series, is a completely different egg. I, in my brain, I'm separating them completely. Because those movies are completely different, and I think that's what's going and, on. Yes, they're good, and this is horrible. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, if you look at Freddy versus Jason, which I have to keep comparing it to, because it was one year before this, and it was the first big crossover of this type in the 21st century. Freddy versus Jason was able to take these two completely disparate and totally separate feeling environments and use them to their best, and to give you know it was mostly we said a nightmare on elm street film but it had its crystal lake feel too this betrays both fandoms by giving us neither it's not aliens in a predator movie it's not predators in an alien movie it's them both in smilla's sense of snow <laughs> okay I, I i i can't respond to that but i can respond to is i don't have such a deep connection to either of those franchises so i didn't care and I had fun watching the movie. I'm not saying it's a world's greatest movie, no, by a long shot. But what was I had fun? fun Tell- it. I'm agreeing with Brock. Upon rewatching this movie and getting over the trauma of the disappointment that I felt seeing it, watching this movie with six years distance, yeah, it's got some fun to it. I cannot abide. If you're telling me that seeing facehuggers jump out in bullet time is cool and fun, like, I, I just don't get it. I, no, no. Me- this movie is a victim of the time it was made and the director who it had. Anderson, you know, I liked some of his early stuff. I really did. I loved Mortal Kombat and Event Horizon, and I thought Resident Evil was okay. But this is such a victim with the bullet time and the poor cgi and just so many staples from that period but i i'm gonna go about when the aliens and the predators start going at it with the humans in the middle you know the big fight when they finally get together the 50 minutes into the movie 55 <laughs> minutes in the movie by the way yes it, it, it takes a while uh-huh but it delivers what you want you said you know you're there to see these two duke it out it's exciting. You get to see the staples from both, all the things you want to see in this matchup. If you're an Alien fan, you get the second jaws, the tail, and the blood. If you're a Predator fan, you get the shoulder cannon. You get the Frisbee of Doom. You know, it's got it all. The acid blood was great, I, and I love that they brought that and used that, you know, especially when he used it to, uh, to draw on himself. That kind of stuff was fun for me. I understand your point of view, Stuart. I'm just saying there's other stuff here that have fun with it. I, I understand what you're saying, Brock, because this is a movie where I, I decided I had to turn off my brain. Yeah. I really did. I had to take my brain out and put it in the refrigerator next to the Queen Alien and 
watch this movie and go in and just go, yep, Dawn of Civilization, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've seen in a movie in a long time. And yep, those people are really horrible characters. And yep, they completely betray the entire alien chronology by changing the entire breeding cycle time of an alien. But when the action kicks in, it's pretty good and it's got a good atmosphere. Anderson does a really good job of setting up shots. He has the, the typical stuff when the, when the doors close, you see the feet run up to it. He has different kinds of variety of shots he creates. He actually took the time to set some suspense stuff up. He And I'm again, I'm not saying this is the world's greatest suspense movie, but I am saying but is it could, has some stuff there that Could you exciting. identify a specific moment? Because sure. you're saying this and I can't think of one moment that was fun. When they're in the tunnels, when the pyramid keeps reconfiguring itself and the Scottish guy and the other guy, they had that conversation about whether they have kids or not, whatever. And then they're wandering through in the dark and they don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, one of them just gets plopped up and the other guy's looking around, where would he go? Where'd he go? And then it's all quiet and he's looking around, he's looking around and then the stuff starts moving again. Those scenes, for example, created a little bit of atmosphere, a little bit of suspense, what's going to happen next? And that's what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when they get struck in the sacrificial chamber and all the doors start to close, they start running to try to get to the doors and they put that thing underneath the door and it crushes it. And then you see a close-up, I believe it's there, of the feet running up to there, and you see the door close, so the feet are, you get trapped there, and then it's quiet. They're looking around, and they're like, what do you say this room was called again? It's cheesy as hell. And he says, oh, the sacrifice chamber. And then they look around, and then boom, they get hit with the face with the damn thing. It was just cheesy, fun, suspense bullshit. But it wasn't as good as Halloween suspense, by no means. But they did take the time to set it up a little bit to have a little fun with it. And that's what I'm talking about. And also, Anderson had tremendous attention to detail, especially with the Alien films. I get the impression Anderson's more of an Alien fan than a Predator fan. Who but- isn't? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, who is going to argue that the Predator series is better than Alien? Give me a break. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't. I don't <laughs> want I'm to. I'm the fan of Predator, but I, I can't. It's, there's just not the artistry there. No, there's one decent movie. Yeah, the, the Predator 2, you know, 50% of the Predator's oeuvre is shit. But, you know, the Anderson tried to almost recreate shots from previous Alien movies, you know? Like, at the beginning, you see the reflection in the Predator's mask, much like in the beginning, you see the Nostromo in the mask of one of their crew. It's the Alien 3 poster on the floor of the frickin' temple. Yeah, no, I get that, and I guess I'll ding him for that. I don't give him any props for, like, an archivist culling things out. I mean, that's when we talked about Freddy versus Jason. I talked about the fact that when you're doing something like this, you're not trying to do anything new. You're trying to do everything that has been done before as a callback. The thrill of it is seeing it happen at the same time that something, some other series is doing their whole trademark moves. And so it's a duet we've never seen before, but all the moves are things we've seen before. I don't give him any prop for having watched Alien and Aliens a bunch of times. So have I. I, <laughs> I saw all of that. I didn't, that doesn't thrill me. What he had also done is stuck it in a completely terrible story with lame characters and wasted 55 minutes of my time and then said, here, I'm going to do it with cheap CGI graphics and do these kinds of 
of silliness. Uh, I mean, the whole thing with the alien queen being chained up and then the way that she figures out she's finally going to get out is is a riff from another alien movie. She makes one drone a sacrificial victim and the others rip him apart and his acid blood eats the chains up. Why didn't she do that 2,000 years ago? It's just dumb. This The aliens are dumb. The predators are dumb. Everyone is stupid here. And I just can't accept that. If you want to see an alien and a predator go at it, play the video game. I want a movie. <laughs> Admittedly, the video game does rock. But I agree with Stuart. You know, I'm kind of coming right down the middle on this. It's dumb and it's pointless. And I didn't realize it took 50 minutes to get to the fight. I really didn't realize that. 55 minutes on the counter when the alien is leans down and you have that classic shot of it like <sighs> looking down at the predator. It's obligatory that you have the chest bursters and the face huggers. No, they had to do that shot. Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying they shouldn't have done that shot. They needed to do that shot earlier or they needed to make me excited to see this finally happening. I mean, we did admittedly see the longer cut where they added more scenes on the boat of her hemming and hawing on if she's even going to go and you know, they didn't need to add that scene back in really but no they sure didn't yeah i needed to like the human characters i'm what i'm hearing from you guys is it doesn't matter to you that they were a bunch of alien fodder that you are fine with it just being a very pulpy battle between two creatures and I think that it is a real shame that you dragged Lance Hendrickson out here and introduced us to literally 20 people and not one of them really does anything that matters. Even Lance Hendrickson. I was very disappointed in him because he doesn't really do anything and we're not even sure why he's on this trip. Well, I think they're trying to say, and this is what I don't like this either. I think they're trying to say that Wayland Industries, which would end up creating the Nostromo and create and hiring the crew, including Sigourney Weaver, somehow by this experience has been looking for the alien. Like this wet their appetite for it and that the crew of the Nostromo might have actually been set up, which is stupid and if you really think about it it doesn't make any sense at all but I think that that's what they're trying to say and that the idea that their creator was the uh, prototype for an android that would become a lovable character he even does the whole knife thing I noticed that that was kind of cute that was the only thing I liked alright so we've covered the alien side we've covered the human side let's talk about the predator side a little bit because The Predators got a real upgrade, didn't they, between 1997 and 2004? Well, depends on how you define upgrade. I'm talking technologically. It seems like, you know, (laughs) it didn't it didn't advance for the dawn of time until 1997. But they have cooler masks. They have more stylish ships because their ship that we saw back in the first Predator Kind of boring. But did you notice they got rid of, like, the thermal vision and now they just saw, like, through a red lens filter? I was angry about that. I'm like, they screwed up the thermal vision. I couldn't tell. At first, I was going to give that to them. I'm like, well, it's Antarctica. It's cold. Maybe there's not as much heat. (laughs) But that would all be blue. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, no, this is just a cheap effect. And I'm a little bit disappointed in one thing because you got your hero predator. Of course, he has no name. Maybe we should just – we'll call him Joey Fatone. So. So Joey Fatone decides he's going to take his arm nuke and destroy the aliens. Isn't that like the Predator way of committing Harry Carey? Yes. Isn't it dishonorable to take your arm nuke and chuck it like a grenade? 
No, no. Well, they do establish that in that terrific flashback is that sometimes they go in there thinking they're going to prove their manhood and the aliens get so overrun that they cannot contain it anymore. And the only thing to do is to wipe out the whole civilization. I think that was what they were doing. We're just going to blow the whole thing sky high and that'll be the end of this. Yeah, but he threw it and ran to save himself. Yeah, no, the man's not honorable at all. I hope that if he had lived, he would not get a dignified ceremony because he's, yeah, he, he looks foolish here. And am I the only one, and I got this both times I watched it originally, am I the only one who felt like they almost were trying a love story between Alexa and Joey Fatone? <laughs> Uh, they were trying to establish a relationship and right. uh, I would... like when they were standing alone on the ice looking at each other like if he hadn't had a squid mouth maybe they would have kissed uh, uh, maybe I didn't get he... that but maybe that would have made it worse I'm trying to think <laughs> yeah it might have made it worse <laughs> I mean when he's like carving the symbol on her head and everything it just I got a vibe off of them like I, I thought know. it was complete camaraderie. I never have thought of the Predators as being sexual. We've never even seen how they had sex. I mean, it's unlike the alien, which it's all reproduction, and we've learned about its life cycle. I still don't have a clue about how a Predator lives when they're not on a hunt. And this movie tells you nothing about the Predator at all. Nothing at all. No, you know what? I think they're afraid to go too much into the Predator. And maybe, you know, I think they're just afraid to try and get that as if it's opening a pandora's box i think they were hoping to do a predator 3 i mean i think they've always been hoping to get back to predator 3 and why would they want to box themselves into a situation because of this silly little tie-in movie i mean but still i this character is not well established enough to really have the love of alien we know everything we need to know about the alien colony from the first two movies and even the third one offers some new dimensions. I still don't know anything new f- since the, the first Predator movie about these creatures. Except, right, they live in pyramids that they have humans construct. Can I talk about a huge pothole at the end of this movie? I know there are many, but this one really <laughs> rankled me. Okay, so they're up, they get uh, escape, they detonate the pyramid under the ice, they get back to the surface, he marks her, she's one of them, she's one of the, you know, predator people, and all of a sudden the queen's on the surface, of course, it's running around like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, more fighting, blah, 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 blah. The predator gets skewed, correct? Yes. I'm not crazy, I didn't dream that. It gets a tail right through the stomach. The body falls over. He dies. The friends come down, take him inside, and lay him in a ceremonial chamber and take off. And an alien bursts out of the chest that would have been a big hole in it. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So when you said you had a plot hole, you were being literal. (laughs) Yeah, I'm being literal. I'm like, you can either have him killed in the stomach. I mean, if he was impregnated... We already know this about the alien. It won't mess with you. It'll protect you. That was something that came up in Alien 3. I have one last question to you guys about this. And that's about the gore. Brock, you saw the PG-13 version. Mm -hmm. And Stuart and I saw the unrated version. But Mm -hmm. this movie was intentionally made for a PG-13 rating to get a larger audience in and this happens to so many franchises die hard comes to mind and i always feel that if you see an r-rated franchise that jumps down to pg-13 all of a sudden you can tell 
All they care about is just getting as many people in the seats. They don't care about a quality movie. And I, I not that I think that the gore is needed, but it just means that they are just worried about making as commercial as possible a film without any worry about integrity to the franchise. They just want to sell as many tickets as possible with a piss poor product i've never seen a good pg-13 installment in an r-rated franchise which is why i know with Night- the recent nightmare on elm street fans were shuddering that platinum dunes might pg-13 it it's not that we really want to see the blood it's that that just is a sign of other bad choices it's it's the most visible pre-release what did you guys think of that whole pg-13 less blood thing i didn't realize that the the cut that i saw was not the cut I saw in theaters. I I still felt like it was very, very tame. I didn't see a whole lot of human blood, and I don't think acid blood would get you a R rating. I don't know. I definitely felt like the action was lacking. I thought that it was, like I said, cheesy, the cheesy CGI, the Matrix copping effects. I just couldn't tell what was going on. The, no, I don't have a strong opinion about it other than I felt like it was a compromised movie and that the dumbing it down to PG-13 is, is exactly right, Arnie. They knew that if they kept it at R, they were going to lose money. And this is a for-profit venture, for sure. They didn't make this for the art. I agree with you that a franchise does that. I also think of it more cynically also as, well, they're just going to release a DVD with it anyway. They're doing it for the theater, for the cash grab, but they're going to give us the movie we want, or presumably we want, later on. But since I didn't like Die Hard 4 all that much, I didn't bother watching the unrated version. I tend to not enjoy watching the unrated version. I often think some of the stuff they do cut out of the movie for an R or PG-13 rating instead of the unrated are good cuts. You don't always need to show every single bit of gore and blood. Since I didn't know that I was watching a theatrical cut version, a extended cut on my DVD. I didn't give it any thought for this movie. I didn't see why this wouldn't be a PG-13 movie. And the movie I was watching with all the themes and the characters and the way that it was written and the way it was made, I don't see a need for it to be an R movie. The cheesy fun was still there. You could have gored up a little bit, sure. I could see where you could actually have a little more gore with it, but I didn't miss it. I think you miss it in little moments like you talked about Rousseau getting a chest burster. It happens so quickly. Like, you want to linger on that, particularly if this is the first alien movie you've ever seen, God forbid. Like, wouldn't you want to know what's happening to her? Wouldn't you want to know what was going on? I guess they just assume you know what's going on, and if you don't, then so what? That does bother me, the fact that I mean, in all the other Alien movies, it was pretty much established it takes a long time for a chestburster to come out. Hell, in Ripley and Alien 3, it takes the whole frickin' movie. And here, it's 10 minutes, right? Because the temple changes every 10 minutes. Yeah. And so in under yeah. 10 minutes, she went from... Not just chestburster, you have full-sized adults. I mean, yes, it's ridiculous that what takes days in any previous installment has now been, you know, reduced to the... 10 minutes. And speaking of the 10 minutes, does it bother anyone that they made such a big deal that it's 10 minutes between shifts and it's October 10th, 10-10? They're on a 10-year calendar and they come every 100 years in 2004, 1904, 1804. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're very um, mathematically astute. I like that about the Predators. They're good with the math. <laughs> <laughs> they like round numbers. Good for them. Well, they established the numbers here on Earth, so they, you know, they right, should take right, them. Yeah. yeah, I do. I will be sacrificing myself later. 
<laughs> so Arnie Stewart, do you recommend Alien versus Predator? Stewart. Yeah. Uh-huh. Can we <laughs> we can just move right along here. And I I I want to I do want to emphasize something. I think everyone is hearing an alien fan that is hurting and that is true, but I thought this was poor popcorn. If you had made a dumb movie that was fun like Freddy versus Jason, I could have gone with that. I could have gotten past the fact that they dumbed down my favorite series. I could have gotten past that. They made a poor example of it on, on just basic choices, foolish basic choices, and repeated them again and again and again. And I just felt, in the end, you guys are talking about fun. It's mythical. I saw the same movie you did, and all I saw was a bunch of shifting walls, cheap CGI effects, and rubber-suited creatures that I used to like. I, a complete bomb. Failure, no. Arnie. I am so torn. <laughs> I'm, I'm really with Stuart that this is a dumb, dumb movie. It's a cash grab. Can you quantify how much fun there is for you here, <laughs> like, in minutes or seconds? That's if- almost one of the defining qualities, is I was going to go barely recommend until Stuart pointed out it's 50 minutes until I get to the good part. And so now I'm on the line of barely not recommend just because the minutes of boredom to the minutes of good is a bad ratio. It's it's right there where it's got to be under five minutes, guys. What you're recommending <laughs> is under five minutes and 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 covered in so much goo that you could never get to it without just, you know, Getting all dirty and gross. I'm going to say not recommend, but that said, if you just are looking for something stupid and visceral and play the video game and you don't feel like holding a controller in your hand, then it's a disservice to both franchises. But yeah, I can't recommend it. I just can't. What little is good in there is completely outweighed by its stupidity. It's the matchup fans have been wanting. And for that, I'm so tempted to recommend it because you're getting what you want but you're not getting it the way you want you know it's like saying you want a burger and you're thinking of a nice kobe beef gourmet restaurant burger and somebody gives you a whopper (laughs) okay if i saw this movie in august of whenever it came out that year 2004 whatever if an august movie perfect turn your brain off 90 minutes of just bullshit i i remember watching jason x and having so much fun it is completely not the Jason we know or want. It has nothing to do with anything else to do with the rest of that series. I had a blast watching that stupid, stupid movie. It was just so much fun because it was so outrageous. I had the same kind of fun here. It was stupid. It's dumb. The logic they think is so clever is not. And I do not count this as part of the Alien series because I guess I don't have that kind of connection that Stuart has to it, so I can completely separate it. Just because it has an alien in it doesn't mean it has to be part of that series. Not in my mind. I don't want this attached to the Alien saga. Please don't attach this to the Alien saga. This movie is dead to me. As soon as we're done talking about it, I will pretend for the rest of time it does not exist. And Predator franchise had two movies, okay? Maybe the franchise was created by the comic books and all that kind of stuff, and that's that's very well may be true for people who are fans of Predator. I liked the first movie, but I am not a fan of Predator. So for me to come in here and see these two characters go at it and, ha- and have a highlight reel of a whole bunch of stuff, I had a good time with it. It is completely stupid. It is completely dumb. But I had fun 
watching the movie. And especially since I heard so many bad things about it, you guys even gave me a hint of that last podcast. When I was watching this, I'm like, this isn't as terrible as I said it was. Again, this thing isn't Oscar worthy. This thing isn't going to be, you know, put in the vault for safekeeping by the Library of Congress. But I, at the end of the day, when I recommend or not recommend movies, it sometimes comes down to, did I have fun watching it? The answer is yes, I recommend it. Go ahead, watch it, have fun, stupid fun. It is not a good movie, but it's, it was fine. I had a good time. End of story. So if you enjoyed our podcast, please go to nowplayingpodcast.com and download other episodes in our Predator series. You can also find our Terminator, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Back to the Future, all different kinds of series. All of that is available in our archive section. You can go to our forums and discuss our review here and see, chime in which side you are on on this Alien vs. Predator series. Uh, and you can also talk about every other movie we've ever talked about and now playing. Each one has a thread there in the forums. If you want to hear about movies we're currently watching, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Links are on the homepage for Facebook and Twitter, and you can follow us along there. So, we are now going up on the second matchup of Alien vs. Predator. Alien vs. Predator Requiem. As if this one didn't beat the shit out of me already. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one's your funeral dirge, right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm in the casket right now, ready to watch. I hear the bagpipes popping. And we'll reconvene when we talk about Alien vs. Predator Requiem next time. Talk to you then. Thank you for joining us for this episode in the Predator Retrospective Series. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. Please come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week from now through July 10th to get a new episode of this series. Come on in, you fuckers. Come on in. Also at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can download our podcasts where we cover such movie series as Terminator, Star Trek, Back to the Future, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and more. This is getting better than a minute. Now Playing is not affiliated with 20th Century Fox. Alien and Predator are copyright and trademarked 20th Century Fox, all rights reserved, and no infringement is intended. I don't think he gives a shit. Now Playing is a production of Inganza Media Incorporated, copyright 2010, all rights reserved. I ain't got time to bleed. The now playing Predator Retrospective series is edited by Arnie and Jay. I wouldn't wish that on a broke dick toe. <laughs> you know what? Scooby Doo had a ton of crossovers also. The Harlem, Harlem Globetrotters. Yes. Yeah, so. Was that really crossovers or wash-ups? I always associate that with, (laughs) like, after you do the Hollywood Squares, they dump you into an animation uh, voiceover booth, and you do a couple Scooby-Doo's. I thought thought the love boat was the the wash-up. Yeah, that's that's, the final destination before. But didn't the love boat go to Fantasy Island? Uh, There was that crossover. Yes. I don't know. No, that's not Sebastian. That's not Sebastian. Yes, that's... yes it is. Oh, Seb- that's Sebastian? I thought uh, Sebastian was the archaeologist. You're talking about uh, Raul. No, uh, Sebastian is the archaeologist. About... You're talking about Graham Miller. Uh, no, you're talking about... Uh... <laughs>
Would you? You're gonna put this. I, you are going to put this in the in the uh, reel of outtakes because I am so right, and you are arguing with me. Sebastian no- is uh, the Mexican guy at the pyramid. You're talking about the Scottish. He is guy. Italian. They make a, his name is Sebastian De Rosa, and they make a big part of that. He happens to be doing an architectural or archaeological dig in Mexico. He is not Mexican. You're right. Yeah, I know and, I'm right. I'll put and that the, in the blue. Pepsi- you're you're right. Well, hey, can can I weigh in on this? Yeah, if I could ever get a word in edgewise, shit. Now I know how Brock feels. Yeah, you know how I felt <laughs> on the Karate Kid 2010 thing. That was amazing. And I'm a little bit disappointed in one thing because you got your hero predator. Of course, he has no name. Maybe we should just you know call him Lance. Oh, <laughs> no, we got Lance Hendrickson. Uh, who, what's another uh, Backstreet Arnold? Boy? Um, I, uh, Justin Timberlake. We'll no, call him Justin. Okay. <laughs> now, he, he was in sync, but whatever. Okay. Uh, oh. jo- we'll call him Joey Fatone. How about the acid blood? Yeah, I, I said was that. great. Yeah. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm helping you. I'm oh, okay. going along with you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying like, you no. forgot the acid blood, dickhead. No, 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 no not at all. <laughs> I, 